Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. All right, let's open our Bibles to Job, Job chapter number 7. Right before the book of Psalms and Proverbs, you'll find the book of Job. Job chapter 7. You can find everything on Google nowadays, in case you didn't know that. And here's what Google says for the coronavirus. They say, do the five. Hands, wash them often. Elbows, well, I guess it's the inside of your elbow. You cough into that. Face, don't touch it. Feet. Stay more than three feet apart from someone. And then feel sick, stay home. Now, I don't know about you, but haven't moms been telling their kids that? for? (laughs) I don't know how that stops the coronavirus. But anyway, that's what Google says. And at the end of the message, I'm going to give you a solution of what Jesus says. Now, before we get into Job chapter number 7, This morning, we're going to attempt to look at some things about, if we were to try to run all the verses about worry in the Bible, we wouldn't find them because there are none. But we do find weary, weariness, wearied. We're going to look at that this morning. And one of the regrets that I don't want to have, and I don't want you to have, Because we all have regrets, don't we? (laughs) I don't want to look back on my life and say, you know what? I worried too much. But people are afflicted with worriness a lot. But it's not worth it. Because it costs you and it costs me too much. Here's what worry will cost you. You'll just be wound tight. You ever meet people that are just just so wound tight that they can't function? It's because of worry. It stresses you out, worry. You get poor sleep. You become irritable. And generally speaking, you're just unhappy. Now, I'm not talking about a mom that's, you know, raising her kids all day and it's just been a rough day and, you know, she's been working hard. She's been doing all this stuff. And I'm not talking about the dad that's not working a nine to five. He's working a nine to five and then he's working a seven to ten to make ends meet. And then he's worn out. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a life of worry. Why do people worry? Because they're uncertain of the future. And people want to make out that the future, tomorrow, next week, next month, they just want to make sure that that turns out well. But I want us to realize this morning, you don't, I don't, we don't, as Pilgrim Baptist, we don't have control over as much as we think that we do. We don't. People constantly go back in their mind to when something didn't turn out well. And they keep replaying that in their mind. They keep relooping that in their mind. You can't control the uncontrollable. You can't, I can't, we can't. That doesn't mean that if you don't worry, you won't ever get hit with bad news. Worrying as much as you worry, and and I do this when I get on a plane, if I have to travel for work, if I get on a plane, I worry. Because I keep relooping in my mind, the most dangerous part of the plane is the takeoff and the landing. So every time it takes off, I'm a mental mess for two minutes. (laughs) And then as soon as the pilot says, we're going to start our initial descent, oh, there it goes. (laughs) And I think that the more I worry, the more it'll be safer. But it isn't. My worrying isn't going to keep the plane in the air. My worrying isn't going to keep the car on the road. It's not 
no matter how much we worry, going to lessen the likelihood of something bad happening. Why do bad things happen? Because they happen. Sin is in the world. Worrying also, it doesn't show that you care. Now, you might care, but it isn't connected to how much you worry. If you worry yourself to death, and I don't worry at all, that doesn't mean you care and I don't care, (laughs) and vice versa. If I become a pastor who's just a mental worry wart, and you're just wondering, well, why is the pastor worrying? He should really get over that. (laughs) It doesn't mean that I care and you don't. It's not connected to that. They're two separate things. Worrying will not motivate you. It will demotivate you. And there is a big difference between worrying and then having rightful concern. Concern is when you start solving problems. Worry is when you just create problems. And a lot of us, we create our own problems. Now, we're supposed to be in Job chapter 7. Now watch this. This is good. Job chapter 7. We'll start at verse number 1. Job 7.1, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? And in this text here, hireling like a hired soldier. Meaning a soldier, he has days numbered. They're short and then they end. Our time here on earth, believe it or not, it's short. It's like a vapor and then it ends. Verse number 2, as a servant earnestly desireth the shadow... And as a hiring, hireling looketh for the reward of his work. Job is looking for a reward of his work. Man is looking for a reward of his work. On earth, Job went through some stuff. We can all relate to Job, right? And he's thinking future now, which, by the way, kind of snuffs out that whole doctrine of annihilation, meaning there is no hell, there is no heaven, we're just going to be annihilated. He's thinking of something future where it's a reward. Where is our reward? Eternally as Christians. When we go to heaven, praise the Lord. We're going to go wherever the Lord goes. And wherever He goes, it's going to be like a vacation and a vacation, and a vacation. We're going to just be having a grand time. Why? Because we're going to be serving the Lord. But Job is looking for a reward. Now, verse number three, so am I made to possess months of vanity, empty nights, nights full of affliction, and look else, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. When your sleep is disturbed, you have wearisome nights. Will you have that? Will I have that here on earth? Yes, we will. But as born again, washed in the blood, saved children of God, we have a reward. And there ain't going to be no more wearisome nights. Not when we're absent with the body, present with the Lord. Look at verse number four. When I lay down, I say, When shall I arise and the night be gone? And I am full of tossings to and fro under the dawning of the day. The poor guy can't find comfort in his own bed. And then the day comes. Imagine living a life like that. The only place where you get to rest your head is your own bed. And you can't even find comfort there. Sometimes that's life. People that have lost their homes, that's their life. Right now. Right now. And that's what Job's dealing with. Verse number five, my flesh is clothed with worms. See, there's the coronavirus. No, my, and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. But what I'm saying is that 
His body has become disgusting. His body has become detestable. Our body eventually is going to rot and die away. Whether a tornado hits, a whirlwind comes, a virus hits, what's it going to do? It's going to afflict your body. Those things are going to happen to people here on earth. Verse number 6. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Now that's what His days on earth feel like. And if we're honest, we have had days like that. I'm not saying we've lost our hope in Jesus Christ. I'm not saying we've lost our hope in eternal life. And that's not what I'm suggesting at all. That's where our hope lies in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, right? But here on earth, don't you lose hope on some days? <laughs> yeah, here on earth. And the biggest thing I keep, I know some of you that have been here, you're sick and tired of hearing me say it, maybe. But look, there's a difference. We think so fleshly, we think so earthly, we think so physical. We're not Israel. <laughs> We are not the nation of Israel. We are born-again Christians. God doesn't send us physical blessings from heaven. He sends us spiritual blessings. We are a spiritual people. We should be a spirit-filled people. We can talk about the Holy Spirit. We can say the Holy Ghost. All that's good. We're not a physical people. We're a spiritual people. But the last thing I want you to see in verse number 6 my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Now, a weaver's shuttle, it's a tool used to insert wool, and it moves it fast from one side to the other as people are looming or weaving cloth. Roll real fast. So the picture here is it's fast. These days go fast. Things happen fast. Tornadoes come on fast. Coronavirus epidemic spreads fast. You can't control it. I can't control it. So here's some things I want you to learn and I want to learn from Job. Diligently guard your time. Use it carefully. I'm not saying Facebook is of the devil. I'm not saying TV is of the devil. What I'm saying is there's a lot of devilish stuff that comes over those things. And what I'm saying is that there's a lot of time that can be wasted on it. Doing things that aren't evil, doing things that aren't sinful, doing things that aren't wicked, that are just a waste of time. We go out to the Golden Corral and the buffet looks great and we fill our plate, we take a picture and we put it on InstaSin or, and then like and send. Right? I mean, that stuff's fun. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's sinful. I'm not. What I'm saying is guard your time carefully. Number two, pay attention to what your real priorities are. Avoid things that eat up time and rob your soul. And they just leave you empty of spiritual blessings. The highlight of my week as a father, is seeing that my family is happy and smiling. That's the highlight of my week. I can get beat up on different stress that's going on with my business. I can, take all, I can handle all that. I just want to know that they're happy and smiley. And then the other highlight of my week is church Sunday. And the same thing. I just want to know that everybody's happy and smiley. <laughs> and we got a good spirit here. But specifically, the highlight of my week is going to be tomorrow. Because from 1 to 7, I'm not getting anything. But we get to give people something. We get to give people that don't have food, some non-perishable food items. We get to get people that don't have shoes or clothes, some shoes or clothes. Parents that lost everything can get some diapers for their kids. Diapers are expensive. But what I'm even more excited about is, what did we say earlier? We have physical, 
and we have spiritual, right? I'm not giving a parent a pair of shoes without giving them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody's going to get a gospel track with gospel literature so they can know that this tough time they're going through, in eternity, it can all be gone by trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I don't want us to lose fact, lose sight of there's physical and spiritual. We can't provide the physical without and neglect the spiritual. The other thing I want you to do is guard yourself against only pursuing things that can be attained in this lifetime. We have to think about the value of eternity and pay attention to things that relate to eternity. This life right now requires patience and going through suffering and going through trials and going through hard times. And it can cause us to only focus on the pain now. We have to train our minds to think about the future and eternity. You can gain the whole world. And I honestly have spent the first half of my adult life attaining worldly trinkets. And I'm not even suggesting to you that all of those achievements and attainments were wrong. I am not presenting that to you. And I am not suggesting that the achievements and the accomplishments that you've made and that you are making now, I am not even suggesting that all of those are wrong. But what I am suggesting to you is that they're going to fade away. They are not going to last. The certificate will not last eternity. The trophy will collect dust. If you've raised children, you go in the basement, you pull out their certificate, and only that reminds you. The school is forgotten, the teachers have forgotten, the town is forgotten. We can't lose sight of the eternality of our souls. Life is short, but it's still long enough for us to consider eternity. And the work we do for that will be rewarded. Imagine doing just a great job in Sunday school, kids. And you get a bunch of goodies and candy and little whistle things, wazoos. Isn't that wonderful? You know what's going to happen in two minutes to the candy? It's going to be gone because you're going to eat it and it's going to be in your belly. And you know what's going to happen to the little whistle thing? You're either going to lose it in two days or your brother or sister is going to take it and break it. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. It's not going to last. Kids, pay attention. Young people, pay attention. Because this is what Pilgrim Baptist is going to be. Young people, middle-aged people, older people, telling others about Jesus. You give someone a gospel track. You tell someone about Jesus Christ. That is work that will be rewarded for eternity. Let's not lose sight of that. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, 10, and 11. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. And then I want you to go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. Right at the beginning of your Bible, get chapter 25. So we can turn there quickly and get to this cross-reference. So we have 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and Deuteronomy chapter number 25. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we start reading at verse number 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, 
oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. That's Paul. who didn't lose sight of the Lord and one of the greatest men that lived for God. That was his life. How many of you were beaten five on five separate occasions 40 times? That's only two. And then it says, save one. So go back to Deuteronomy chapter number 25. Because I want you to see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. What's the save one? Well, it's really 39 stripes is, is, is a way, another way to say that. Took off one. And so watch, watch how Deuter uh, these Jews... Deuteronomy chapter 25, look at verse number 2. And it shall be, if the wicked man be worthy to be beaten. Now these folks beating Paul were following the law. And they hated Paul. And this is why they beat him. They thought he was a wicked man and they thought he was worthy to be beaten. But he wasn't. He was a man after God's heart. He loved the Lord and he wanted to preach the gospel. That the judge shall cause him to lie down and to be beaten before his face according to his fault by a certain number. Forty stripes he may give him and not exceed. Lest if he should exceed and beat him above these with many stripes, then thy brother should seem vile unto thee. So you know what they want? They, they were so convinced that they were following the law. They did not want to risk violating that law by giving him more than 40. So they decided we're going to beat him 40 save one, meaning he's going to get 39. These people thought about what they were doing. They had the law, they knew the law, they wanted to follow the law, and they thought what Paul was doing was just dead wrong. Now, have you ever run into people in your life? You've got the truth, Paul's got the truth. You've got the gospel, Paul's got the gospel. But the person you're trying to reach, and the person you're trying to, 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 to get some sense through to, they're just convinced that you're just dead wrong. You know what the difference between us and Paul is? We didn't have to get beaten. But he did. All this stuff he went through, how do you go through that? Well, let's keep reading. We're back to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Verse number 28. Because it kind of gets a bit worse. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily... The care of all the churches. So all this physical stuff that he's got going on, now he's trying to care for the churches. Anybody remember what was happening in 1 Corinthians? The whole thing's a mess. Now he's got this spiritual battle that he's suffering with. Is his life easy? Is our life easy? In light of this it is. In light of this, it is. And I'm not making light of anything that anybody's going through. 
Because if you tell me what you're going through, I'm going to feel guilty (laughs) because I don't have to go through that. And then if I tell you something I'm going through and you're not going through it, you're going to be like, well, I just, I should stop complaining. He's really got a mess. Nobody's going through what Paul's going through. It don't stop him from what he's doing. And then it says, verse number 29, who is weak and I am not weak, who is offended and I burn and I burn not if I must needs glory. I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. How do you glory in your infirmities? Because of Jesus Christ. It's the only way you can do it. It's the only way I can do it. None of us are going to sign up for getting whipped 39 times. And any of the other stuff that he went through. None of us are going to. And I wouldn't suggest that any of us sign up for persecution. But when it comes, and if it comes, I want us to consider eternity and be able to glory in our affirmities because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's got feelings, he's got sorrows. He's affected when he sees other people suffer. So are you and I. But he had compassion. And Paul had sympathy. We need to stop glorying about our achievements, our promotion at work, our home run of the ball game, and glory in who God is. And in all things we do, let God get the glory. All fighters get weary. But the great fighters stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Stay in the fight. Verse number seven is our word. Look at it one time real quick. In weariness. That's the state of which he lived his physical life. Exhausted of physical strength which in turn caused him to be fatigued physically and tired physically in weariness. John chapter 4. All the Bible's so great. Every time I turn to something else, I'm like, man, this is really great. It's all great, but every time I go to something new, John 4 is an excellent Excellent chapter of Scripture. Um, Let's start at verse number 6. John chapter 4, verse number 6. Look what it says. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied. What is Jesus going through? Weariness. With what? His journey. What was his journey? Physical in nature. He dealt with the same physical stuff as 100% man, 100% God. You know what the difference was? He never sinned. But he is weary because of this journey. Do you get wearied because of journeying? Pile the kids up in the car and drive for an hour, and then we'll find out. (laughs) We'll get weary. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Watch the first thing he says. I'm just kind of tired. Why are you here? (sighs) No, you know what he says? Give me to drink. For his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, You know, lady, I'm kind of tired. Why are you bothering me? I'm the son of God. Can you kind of just go away? You're a Samaritan. Except he didn't say that. And except he was weary and worn out from the journey and he still got it right. And he says, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto her, sir, Thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, 
which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus is weary. And He's giving this woman something that will cause her to never ever thirst again. And it's physical, she's thinking, and Jesus is taking her to some place where she's never been before, and she is going to drink of that spiritual water, which is eternal life. And she's going to be completely changed for eternity. Jesus is worn out. Do we get worn out? Don't forget to tell people about who the Savior is. Go and call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. But thou hast had five husbands, and be whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidst thou truly. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto Him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He is come, He will tell us all things. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am He. We could have, and we probably have in the past, either talked behind someone's back about them, or when it came time to witness to them, well... She's not really the type of person we would want to associate with. He's not really the type of person we want to associate with. Jesus is worn out from his journey. And he takes the time to give this harlot good news. And she ends up drinking this spiritual water. Trust the Messiah. Don't forget, only through Jesus can someone receive eternal life. You're weary? You tell someone about Jesus, you won't be. Also, what can we learn from this chapter? All people, all men, all women, all children are valuable to God. We can also learn, we just read it in 25 and 26, Jesus is the Messiah. Now go down to verse number 39 and 42. We'll read. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified. He told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this indeed is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. I'm so sick and tired of people saying, I could never be used by God. If people only knew who I was, if people only knew what I went through, what about this woman at this Jacob's well? Her testimony, she's telling others about Jesus Christ. And they come to know the Messiah. Now, if that don't wear you out, I don't know what will. We all should reflect on the way that we approach people, the way that we witness to people, and the way that we think about people. I'm so tired of Christians that they get on this spiritual high horse and they forget where they came from. 
I trust everyone here is saved and washed in the blood. If you're not, I want you to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if you're saved, I'm not suggesting you go back and relive all the sin and stupid stuff that you did. But what I am suggesting is you're not part of the Trinity. <laughs> I'm not part of the Trinity. We can't forget where we've came from or we'll neglect others. And this woman at the well, Jesus is worn out from his journey and he doesn't let it affect the eternal value of this harlot. And he tells her about who he is. And then her testimony, your testimony is a very, very powerful tool. Now, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Nobody wants you and nobody wants me to come in with our front end loader and dump all our junk on them. But you can, in a tactful way and in an edifying way, tell your testimony. I just wouldn't know what to say about, I just wouldn't know what to say. If you, Brother Jimmy, if you asked me to come out to a public outreach, I just wouldn't know what to say to somebody. How about just telling them your testimony? Just tell them how you came to meet the Savior. You don't have to run through all these verses. Tell them how you got saved. Your testimony is powerful. Now I'll say this, and then we're gonna uh, let's go over to Galatians six, and we'll start to wind down. Galatians chapter six. All right, people have to recognize this woman at Jacob's well recognized her need for spiritual life. People need to recognize that need. For them to realize that they're spiritually thirsty. On a hot day, give somebody an ice-cold Coca-Cola. Wow. You don't have to convince them that they're thirsty. The sun did that. you got to be able to tell them about the Son of Man and get them a little thirsty. <laughs> so they see their need for a drink. They must be able to confess and repent. And then an immoral woman, an immoral man, a sinful man, a sinful woman can embrace the Savior and they must take Jesus as the Messiah. All right, Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse number 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Now watch, here's the, here's the key verse. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Anybody get weary in the battle? <laughs> I'm going to say that it's okay to get weary in the battle. Just don't get weary of the battle. And when the Bible says, verse number 10, uh, verse number 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, because in all the well-doings we do, in all of that, we get weary of the whole thing. So you might suffer tiredness, you might suffer fatigue, you might suffer weariness, but when he says, be not weary in well-doing, meaning in that well-doing, if you get weary of that, you'll be weary of the whole thing. And you'll forget about doing well. Don't get weary in well doing. How many moms and dads get weary in raising their children? How many children get weary of their mean old parents? Go ahead, kids. You can put your hands up. Everybody gets weary. But I'll tell you, as much as I might get fatigued or worn out, I am not weary of them. As much as I, they think that I wear them out, they are not weary of me. You might get tired. 
But look, if you get weary in doing well, it'll end up you being weary of the doing well. My spouse is difficult. In, I guess in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, which I wasn't even alive back then, people, couples, when they had a problem, they came to the preacher and the preacher gave them the Bible and the preacher helped them get their life in order through the Bible. And I've heard that, you know, back then, a man would never think about putting his hands on a woman. Because if we heard about that, the church or the neighborhood would bring a couple of fellows over there and then we'd put our hands on him. <laughs> That's how life used to be. A woman would have never thought about smacking her husband in the face or throwing food at him or mouthing off. Not in the 40s, 50s, 60s. It would have been unheard of. But now that's common practice. You hear some of these women, it's like, good night. You watch how some of these men treat their wives. <laughs> We're just in a real pickle. Now they don't go to church to get their problems fixed. They go to the bar and talk to the barkeeper. <laughs> God's Word has the solution. Now, what was I saying? I don't even know what my point was. Oh, here's my point. If you've been married any length of time, your significant other will get on your nerves. Your wife will wear you out. Now, you can't tell her that. You just go out and you grab the lawnmower, you go out and you grab the chainsaw and you start cutting stuff down. And, you know, she looks out the window and she thinks, oh, he's really, he's doing some work around the house. And you're thinking to yourself, no, I'm just getting away from you. <laughs> and, then, and then the woman is like, he just wear, he's wearing me out. So she grabs the keys and she, you know, leaves the house. And you're, think, and you're thinking, when she pulls back up and she has groceries, you're thinking, oh, great. She went shopping. She's going to cook a great meal for us. And she's thinking, no, I just wanted to get away from you. <laughs> do we get weary of our spouses? We do. We get weary of them. Amen. Right? But I'll tell you what. I don't get weary of my wife. I don't want my wife to be weary of me. Meaning we're just throwing it up in the air and it's done. You can get weary in all the day-to-day -day stuff that happens, but in all of that, don't get weary in the well-doing because then you end up not wanting to do the well-doing. You don't get weary of the battle. You don't get weary of the spouse. You don't get weary of the children. Children, don't get weary of your parents. That makes sense. Weariness is going to be there. That is normal and natural. Now we're in Galatians uh, 6. We already did that. You're weary. What do you do? Get some rest. Tell the kids sometimes, go take a nap. <laughs> It'll refresh you. It'll refresh you. And then what do you do? Get back in the battle. Okay, two more passages of Scripture. Ecclesiastes 12. All right, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes will be in chapter number 12, and then we'll be in Hebrews chapter 12. Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and then Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12 we're at. All right, so we've got Ecclesiastes 12, and we've got Hebrews 12. We'll start our... Final descent here. Watch what it says. Ecclesiastes 12, verse number 12. And further, by these my son, be admonished, of, may, of making many books there is no end. And watch this. 
Much study is a weariness of the flesh. And I want to say to you this, weariness isn't always a bad thing. Sometimes it's good to wear yourself out. This is why guys go to work in the morning. So they can wear themselves out and not get into trouble. Study God's Word. Truly studying God's Word will wear your flesh out. You want to know God more? Brother Nason touched on this Sunday school. Just, you got to get in God's Word. He wants to study God's Word more. I want to study God's Word more. I want you to study God's Word more. I love preaching the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. I love being around God's people. I do. But I want you to know the Bible just as well as I do, if not better. Young people, pay attention. Everybody that meets me, when they ask me my age and I tell them my age, they say, always say, you know, you look younger than, you, than, than what you are. But you know what? I'm not going to stay looking younger. And there's going to have to be someone that's raised up that's going to be able to... This is why I would love for all of the men to start coming at 10 a.m. for Sunday school because you get a, one, you get another lesson. We get to fellowship more. And guess what? You start hearing more of God's Word. We want you to be able to teach God's Word. We want you to be able to get on the lineup so that you can teach us what God has shown you. But you got to come. You got to be wanting to study and get your flesh worn out. Brother Kelly's got a, a lifetime of notes. He didn't get a lifetime of notes by just watching TV and reruns of MASH. <laughs> he got a lifetime of notes because he's studying God's Word. And unless you preach something that he doesn't agree with, we'll all be okay. No, <laughs> Look, he can help you. But I say that to say this, you can help him. You can help me. Study God's Word. It's going to wear your flesh out, but that's a good weariness. And now go back to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, our last passage. Hebrews chapter 12. I know we get worn out. I know we get disheartened. And I know sometimes we allow people, the opposition, to wear us out. But watch. Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start reading at verse number 1. We'll read three verses. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. When people suffer a consequence of a sin, you would think that they would just get rid of it. But they don't. They keep carrying it around and it continually besets them. You sin, I sin, we're going to get a consequence. Get rid of it. And then, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. If you want to, me and you are going to run. We're going to line up all the fellows here. And they're all going to hold a five-pound weight. But I'm not. Who's going to win? Well, Nathan will have to hold a 20-pound weight because he's, he's very fast. The guy without the weight. Why do we suffer the consequences of sin and then we hold on to it? Get rid of the darn thing and then run the race. You can patiently run it and you won't by default wear yourself out because of something dumb. <laughs> wear yourself out by studying God's Word. That's a good weariness. Let us run patient with the race set before us. Verse 2, look at this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners, lest Him 
against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Take off all the sins. Look to Jesus. You're going to run up to Him. Just keep running. Get rid of all that stuff that's holding you back. Get rid of all that sin, all that junk, and just keep your eyes on Him. He's the author and the finisher. And run as fast as you can to Jesus. He despised the same. Dealt with these sinners against Him. And you're going to say, you're wearied? <laughs> you're going to say, you're faint in your minds? Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes steadily fixed on the Savior. And every time you get weary, don't listen to these pop psychologists that say pop a pill. I'm not a medical professional, so I'm not telling you to dump all your psycho drugs down the toilet. What I'm saying is, every time you get, every time you worry about something, it's not time to pop a pill. It's time to look to Jesus. God gave you Himself. You know, pop a pill will make you good, feel good for four hours. Jesus Christ gave His life for you. So you could feel better. Now I'll finish with this. I told you what Google said about the coronavirus, right? Now all of this isn't Bible, but I thought it to be pretty good. Somebody sent me this. The, the COVID-19. COVID-19 is Christ over Viruses and infectious diseases. COVID. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. You know why? Because, I mean, really, if, we trust, if we're trusting in Jesus as our Savior, the coronavirus can't take us out. Now, physically it might, but spiritually it can't. And it doesn't matter if it's H1N1. It doesn't matter if it's corona. It doesn't matter what the next pandemic will be. It may take some people out physically, but if you're in Christ... It ain't going to take you out spiritually. So that's the COVID. Christ over viruses and infectious diseases. COVID-19. That's Joshua 1.9. Amen. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now, somebody sent me this little meme about this. I thought that was pretty good. The point is, who are we trusting in? Jesus Christ. So lastly, I'll say this. We all need to calm down. Not worry so much. We need to check ourselves and pray more. We need to train our minds. Most of the stuff we create, it's up here. <laughs> Stop worrying. Rejoice in the fact that God is in control. Life by its very nature is uncertain. And I say, I've said this so many times over so many years to so many people. Learn from the past. Plan for the future. But bless God, live in the present. Live in the present. And don't try to protect your fears by worrying. Trust God. Let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I really, really hope that folks here got some edification out of the message. I sure did by studying it out. Help us all to find some good weariness by studying Your Word more. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.